When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Roll up, roll up, step right up, yes. You're not at um, a fairground or a circus, it's episode 12 of Rule the Roost. Hello Raj, how are you doing? I'm alright, yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I, I say it's not a circus, but uh, you, I could say I'm uh, joined by a clown in you, yeah? Yeah, no? um, I thought your role on the podcast was the comedic relief. I didn't realise I had to do everyone's job. Well, I was going to say, I've, if if I'm here for comedic relief, I've pretty much failed on that one, so <laughs> it makes you wonder why I'm actually here at all. But uh, I, I won't be hastening to highlight that fact. So uh, anyway, yeah, we're uh, on episode 12. Um, if you're still with us, thank you very much for uh, for sticking it out. Um, I hope you have enjoyed the, the great value we've been bringing to the uh, Tottenham Hotspur podcasting community. Um and we are going to continue that, of course, on an upward trend. Um, we've got Aston Villa this week. Um, we'll introduce our guest in a minute. But first of all, we've got the uh, the nasty West Ham stuff out of the way. And uh, just a quick look over the, the international break and where our players are going to be. So, uh, well, um, what are you hoping for from the, the return of the, the international break before we start breaking down where everyone actually is? I said break quite a lot there. Um, yeah, well, there's a break in everything, isn't there, at the moment? But um, yeah, I think this international break has actually gone fairly well for us in terms of the players that have been left behind. Um, like I said on last week's show, Soldado was dropped by Spain because um, they seem to rotate whether or not they're picking him on the grado as well. Michu got in the squad, so he's he, he'll have spent time on the training field with AVB, so that, that should be good for him. I imagine he'll be starting because um, he's not played and he's not been away. Um, the first, obviously, in the England squad, he's not played as yet. Um, and photos recently have made me very happy because uh, one Aaron Lennon seems to be back in full training. Blah, blah, so, um, blah. Yeah, um, my gum fingers were in the air and I was, I was delighted because, um, um, like I said last week, um, my thoughts on Townsend aside, Lennon's still a, a fantastic player for us and a, a, an incredible asset. So, um, do you uh, do you buy into much this theory that? Uh... Spurs fans have a habit of seeing our injured players as our best players, and then when they're not injured anymore, just criticising them like they do every other fucking player we've got. It happens to some degree. I mean, you can almost, if that's the the way of thinking, you can almost put that on top of the um, the legendary straight that's put on on Ledley King because he spent the majority of his latter career injured. So you could almost say that we were over overstating how just how good he was. But um, I, no, I don't think that I, 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 I don't think that's the case. That's no. blasphemy, Raj. You, that's that's strike two. All right, mate. Well, what I, strike what I was one was saying was... you preferred Arsenal to, to to Chelsea. 
but no, I didn't say I preferred Arsenal. I actually dislike Arsenal more than I dislike Chelsea. That's that was my standpoint. You dislike Chelsea more, don't you? I do, but you you used the word preferred. I didn't like that. As, as, a, anyway. as a club, I think I prefer them as, a, as, a, as an actual entity. Because, in my opinion, I, I don't know if it there's, came there's off no, or not, but no I, I don't think Chelsea you, you, are a club. You just have to say, I hate them less. You can't <laughs> say you prefer. Anyway, we digress. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, our internationals, we've got Walker, Townsend, Defoe. I mean, Walker's suspended t- tonight. He looked all right in his international game, but, you know, with all due respect, the opposition, so on and so forth... Townsend's goal was, you know, pretty handy. He had a decent game. Um, man of the match again. Again, point out the fact that it was against Montenegro. Yeah, it was a good finish. Though. He took his goal very well. He does, given that most of the time when he cuts in for us, he, he can't hit a band or with a fucking banjo. So the fact that he is wrong for he pinged it in off off the post. I mean, you couldn't have put that better with your hands if you tried. So it's, it's really well done. Must be those massive Wembley goals. I don't think the goals are bigger. I think the pitch is bigger. <laughs> I don't know. There, there you go. There's my football knowledge. They look bigger. <laughs> they're bigger in FIFA. They're not. I think they might be a bit deeper. But um, they might be like the actual depth of the goal might be be larger. But in terms of the frame, I don't think you're allowed to have wider ones at all. I think you'll like hearing the news that uh, Defoe, after the game the other day, said that uh, he's looking forward to coming back to Spurs and staking his place in the first team to make sure he's on the plane to Brazil. It's like, mate, just honestly, like, you you know, Raj, you know I'm a big fan of Defoe's, but at the yeah. same time, the man seriously needs to get some perspective. You know, I, I can't highlight this enough. Um, and I am going off him the more and more he talks to the press and badmouths, not only the club, but the manager as well. It, it, you know, whatever the link, however many goals he scored for us, I can't condone such behaviour. So yeah, I mean, you can almost take a leaf out of, of Brad Friedel's book last season, and because I've obviously I've I've talked down Friedel before and, and how bad he was last season. But what he said last season when he signed his contract for us, his contract extension was perfect. He said that he'd, he'd had a sit down with AVB and the, the coaching staff, and they'd explained to him that he was going to be the second fiddle from now on. That he'd get the odd cut game, but he wasn't the first choice. And the fact that they'd given him the respect to to understand that. He was then happy to sign on his contract. The fact that they didn't string him along and say, oh, you can fight for your place. This is how we see it. They didn't. So if they almost have that same conversation for Defoe, I can't see him taking it on the chin as Friedel did. I can, he almost uh, he seems to have a, an elevated um, impression of his own importance, on which the, is a shame. On the subject of US goalkeepers, um, Brad Friedel namely, is it a prerequisite of uh, Team America that... The goalkeepers have to be bald. I was just thinking about this. You got Brad Guzan, Brad Friedel, Tim Howard, Casey Keller. They're all bald. That's just an observation. One of my many musings. Tactics. Um, <laughs> um, we've got Kariches. Kariches. Playing at home against Estonia. Glamour tie there. So. Uh, I don't think that has a massive bearing. He's not going to be coming into the team anytime soon, in my opinion. Um, we got Hugo. Um, France looking a bit perilous at the moment, aren't they? They're not. They're not a sure, sure fire to go through to the to the. Well, World no, Cup they're Cup, they're in the, the they're, they're in the playoffs, but they've got Spain ahead of them. To be fair, in their group, so it's, it's hardly the easiest passage for them. I think coming nah, second excuses. to Spain, I think that's allowed. Excuses, mate. England <laughs> would have won that group. Yeah, and then. 
uh, he's got Finland at home, I think, um, to win, and then they'll be able to to book their place in the playoffs properly. Gilfie Sigurdsson. Now, I, I've been hearing from if you don't, if you weren't aware, I actually used to live in Reykjavik for a short time. Um, so I, some of my pals still out in Iceland um, tell me that it, it's buzzing at the moment. They're on the verge of potentially, you know, making the playoffs for their first ever World Cup. Um, they've got Norway away, don't they? Yeah, they'd actually be the the smallest nation to ever compete in a World Cup, which would be really good for them. They've got a tiny population, and the fact that if you just think of that, the the number of players that you can think that has actually played in the Premier League for for a country so small, it's fairly impressive. And um, they've got a uh, they've got a decent ish amount of young players at the moment as well, don't they? So they do. Yeah, Gilfie seems to be um, one of the focal points for him. You think he, they allow him to play in his, his favoured number ten position as well? So he does seem to to enjoy going away, going away on international duty rather. And um, it'd be nice to see him at a World Cup because I think that sort of that pace of a game would would suit him more in the internationals because he's he's slightly slower than than our other number tens. And um, it, it, the fact that he'd be allowed to to have time on the ball and hit the odd pinger in a World Cup would would be good for him. Yeah, well, good luck to him. Um, we've got our other number 10, Christian Eriksen, um, playing at home in Denmark to Malta. Yep. So uh, I can't imagine he'll be uh, overly tested there. But they've made the playoffs, I believe, haven't they, Denmark? So Yeah, just about, yeah. So the, I mean, Malta's a formality for him, so I'd hope that he had a, a half-decent performance. I'd like to see him taken off after 45, 60 minutes if possible, just so he doesn't have to play 90 minutes against a shit team and he can come back fairly fresh. They probably won't, though, will they? He's like their main man. Pretty much him and him and Nicholas Bentner, the the North London duo from. Um, yeah, well, the, the less said about the latter, the better. Um, we've got now uh, Mr. Vertonghen, Mr. Dembele, and Mr. Chadley, who have all been apparently pictured in this Belgian article from two thousand and two, despite the fact it has two thousand and thirteen printed in the top right hand corner. Um, <laughs> who are going through as winners of their group. So, little round of applause there to the Spurs lads. Nicely done. Um, Belgium are in serious danger now of being overstated as just how good they are. I mean, from being that, that everyone's dark horse, they're going to end up being victims to their own hype if they're not not careful. I mean, everyone's saying that they've got to make it to a semi-final because this is their so-called golden generation, but anyone to do with Belgium is just happy to have made the cup. They they almost uh, claim that the fact that they've got this many good players is is an accident and look more than anything else. (laughs) I think uh, it's... It's going to be sort of quarters, isn't it? Really, I can't see them winning it personally, but hopefully they get. They won't be seeded, so hopefully if they get a half decent group, they'll be good. But you, I think the the most interesting point will be seeing them against the decent teams. So, so if they get a Germany or they get a, a Spain or an Italy to play against, it'll be be good to see how how all that team of stars perform against an established nation, an established nation. Right, um, so we now move on to Eric Lamella, which is obviously great to hear. You're a player who's trying to break into the first team. He's still, you know, marginalised by the manager perhaps, or at least, you know, isn't a first name on the team sheet each week. Um, Has flown all the way out to Uruguay um, ahead of the weekend's action. So that's not ideal, um, but... 
they play tonight, I think, late tonight, so he'll he'll be back within the next forty eight hours. And they've already so, qualified as well, haven't they, Argentina? Yeah, they 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 walked uh, South America because Brazil had already qualified by being host. They've got no real opposition, and Uruguay have been fairly terrible in patches. So they, Argentina have walked it. They've got to be a good bet for the World Cup, of Argentina. They usually find some way of of shooting themselves in the foot later on in the quarters or semi-finals. They're so, a bit um, of an England. I think there's a lot of hype. I think the press give them a hell of a lot of hype, blow a lot of smoke up their arse, and then as soon as they show the slightest sign of frailty, it's suddenly, you know, they go from the heroes to the villains and the press completely destroy them. Um, this is what I'm led to believe anyway. But uh, their defence aside, they've, you know, they've potentially got the best team in the world, don't they? Well, oh, their their front line is is scary. I mean, Messi, uh, Lamella, Di Maria, Higuain, Lavezzi, Lavezzi. Um, they've got all sorts. Um, uh, what's the other one called? Pastore. Um, they've got yeah. He, uh, I've said Higuain. Who, who else have they got up front? Mascherano, Messi. Who, a bit further. Well, not up front, but a bit further back. Yeah, and then they've got Fernando Gago as well in midfield, who's been fantastic in getting the best out of Messi. So it's yeah, they're. In terms of scoring goals, I don't think they'll have any problems, but it's their defence that's slightly... I'll be honest, I couldn't even name you an Argentinian goalkeeper either, so... Um, Not could I, I don't think, no. There we go. Um, And, of course, Mr. Bolinho, um, who was playing in Zambia. Um, No, no, he's playing in China. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, this one. Um, Brazil seem to have been playing these strange friendlies all across the, the... the world to promote the fact that the World Cup's in Brazil. So rather than showing off their fantastic new built stadiums in Brazil, they've been going on like a worldwide Harlem Globe Trotters trial, Harlem Globe Trotters, sorry, style uh, tour. So they've actually been playing strange friendly nations in in other countries. So it was, it was a game against Zambia in China. Well, as you do, that's uh, yeah, that's makes a sense. sentence. I thought you'd uh, you'd always hear yourself saying there. Brazil, Brazil, Zambia in China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Blatter exactly. sends Brazil. I don't know. Never mind. I hate said Blatter. I don't even want to speak his name. But uh, <laughs> let's let's move on. So, yep. Uh, Royal Roost this week. We're joined by Sam Tai, who is a lead writer at Bleacher Report Football. Hello, Sam. Hey, mate. Hello. How are you, how you doing this evening? Yeah, all good. Just nervous for the England game. Yeah, yeah, you 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 feeling confident? We just had a little chat um, about some of the Spurs players in the in the England setup. You 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 feeling happy with their with their performance so far? Just to, from an an impartial point of view, what do, what do you think about Andrus Townsend? Actually, that's a good point to start on. I really like him. I think he's a great little player. He's uh, got something in his locker that not a lot of players have. A uh, bit hit and miss, but he's young as well, so you can forgive him for that. I think. I prefer him on the right to Walcott, that's for sure. Uh, but I'm not a particular believer in Walcott myself. You, you're winning not, a lot probably. of fans here, Sam, already. So yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> um, was that was that an incredibly subtle pun there as well, saying that Andrus Townsend was quite hit and miss, just out of interest? Oh no, no, no! I'm not that clever. Oh no, I was going to say that was <laughs> pretty fantastic if it was. Um, I think he's got the. He's got the, hasn't he got something ridiculous like the most shots in the Premier League and the, the fewest shots on target? I, I haven't. That's not an actual stat I can back up. But it's something like that. I mean, I know that Spurs have had the most shots on target, and I'd be willing to bet that ninety percent of those are uh, are Townsend. Hmm. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, so yeah, onto onto Villa. Um, Andrus Townsend aside, how how do you think your summer went? You you know you avoided relegation last year. Um, 
you you know seems like you you've kind of held on to Benteke um and you've you've made a promising start to the season how are you feeling yeah the summer was good uh it was really important for us to add depth because we started uh <clears throat> started slowly uh but we finished very very strong i think we were sort of top 6 7 clubs from the th- start of 2013 onwards uh, so it was important to our depth because we, we really only used the same 11 or 12 players uh, for that run-in at the end. So right-back was a concern. Matthew Lowton played uh, almost every game other than I think he missed Norwich away and a bit uh, a bit of Norwich away and Wigan the last day. Um, so we needed some, some certain cover in certain areas and we definitely needed an upgrade in defence as well. The big thing was keeping Benteke. Uh, Benteke. Uh, we, we picked up a Corre. Unfortunately, he's done for the year with an ACL, so that's a bit that's a bit gutting. Uh, that was that. That's that plan out the window, really. Um, but picked up cover for right back, picked up cover in midfield, and picked up cover in the forward areas as well with uh, with with Kozak and uh, with Helenis as well. So we were pretty happy. Uh, picked up a new left back, which was important. I think we got two first eleven players. That includes Okoro, who's now out, and some decent cover elsewhere as well. You left back. That's little uh, Tony Moon, as you call him, isn't it? Tony Moon, yeah, he's a. I mean, he's actually he's pretty decent. He's not as good as we make out, but the reason we like him so much is because he's got the best beard since Olaf Melberg. And <laughs> there's been a, a real lack of beard at Villa Park recently, and the fans can feel it. Does it? Does he itch it as much as Melberg used to his? He does actually. He does tend to play with his face, so that's that's another plus point. <laughs> well, there you go. Players that play with their faces, gotta love them. Um, now, how uh, I, I, with regard to Ben Teke? What do you think happened there? Because I know Spurs were one of the clubs that were heavily linked with him. Um, is it just a case that you think the club just said, look, you're not leaving, so deal with it kind of thing? Or, yeah. you know, do you think he he was as, as aggressive in his stance to want to leave as was made out in the press? It's a it's a tough one to gauge. It all happened very quickly uh, between the time he handed his transfer request in and the time in which he signed a new triple your money deal. Uh, I guess if I got offered triple your money, I'd change my mind as well. But it felt like he wanted to leave because he felt like maybe his place in the Belgium squad was slipping. And it needs to be noted as well that in moving from Genk, he was not exactly civil. He he really he went on strike at Genk to move to Villa. So it gives you an idea of what he's willing to do to get what he wants. And handing in that transfer request... Was, was what he saw as the right idea to, to get what he wants. And whether that was a move or whether it was just more money, we can't really be sure. I mean, Villa, have, they've always held out for the best price. They they don't get bullied. Uh, they didn't sell Barry to Liverpool um, because they, they came in under the, under the value. Um, they sold Milner for a ridiculous price. They sold Ashley Young for about 16 million with one year left on his deal. And I've got Man United fans writing to me asking if they do refunds. <laughs> so... Villa are very stubborn in negotiations, and that's 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 been a factor over the last five years. So I wasn't really worried when the Benteke saga started. I knew that we were either going to sign him to a double your money or triple your money deal, or we were going to sell him for about twenty twenty five million pounds. It was just whether or not somebody wanted to stump up the money. And Villa fans knew that Lambert picks up good players. He finds he finds players that others don't, even in the modern world where you know we've heard of almost every other player. And we were pretty confident that if he went, Lambert could find another. So ultimately, it wasn't actually as uncomfortable for a fan's point of view as a lot of people would have would have believed from the outside. I mean, I, I like the point that you highlight there that you know um, you are particularly tough negotiators because 
I think it's something that uh, clubs who are sort of, you know, in the positions that we are, I mean, you know, this isn't to, to, to speak down to Villa or anything like that, but, you know, there was a time when probably, what, four or five years ago, we were pretty much level pegging. It was, is it going to be Spurs or is it going to be Villa that are going to sort of break into the top four? And we've both kind of, you know, you sort of went down a bit and we went up a bit, um, but it could have gone either way. Um, yeah, we're still very much in that same kind of position whereby we can still really get our best players poached by the likes of United, Chelsea, so on and so forth. Um, so, uh, you know, to say, you know, we're tough negotiators or this and that, it, it, it's something you have to do to survive because it's a case of if we're going to be held to ransom by those around us for our talent because, you know, turning their heads and so forth, then we're going to have to make sure we get the most money for it. And it, it's good to see that, you know, Villa do kind of fly that flag as well. And, you know, as you said, you, you've gotten fantastic money for the likes of Milner um, and for Gareth Barry as well. Oh, and actually didn't get the best amount of money for Gareth Barry because he didn't have long on his contract, did he? Well, ba- uh, Barry had a year left, but, you know, 12 million for a year left. I, don't, I didn't sniff at that. I was glad it was over because it happened right at the end of the season. We're talking start of June. I just said, right, great. Not another Barry saga. Get it done. 12 million. Let's move on. Um, I mean, with with regard to Ashley Young, would you have him back at the moment? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I'd have Milner back in a heartbeat, and I'm pretty sure that every other Villa fan on the planet would say the same thing because Milner was fantastic for us. And Villa fans feel that he's wasted at, at, at Man City. We, we feel he's wasted on the wing. Uh, we groomed him into a brilliant central uh, playmaker a replacement for Barry, if you like, and we were absolutely delighted with him, the work rate he put in, but also the finesse he showed in his game. And when he left, that's when it started to go down. That's that's when it started. That's when we fell from, as you were saying, is it Spurs, is it Villa, to avoiding relegation, basically. Obviously, uh, Alex McLeish didn't help, but we wouldn't take Young back, no. We think... <laughs> I always found with Young that he did his, good, his best work in the wrong areas. I feel like he's a, he's a tricky player and he, he's hard to tackle, but... <laughs> In the final third, does he get the decisions right? Does he do his best stuff in and around the box? And the answer for me is no. And I don't think many many Villa fans would take Young back at all. I see what you're saying entirely, um, and it's obviously proving now that he's you know not a player of the of the class of a club like Man United, um, or probably even really a, a kind of a top six, top seven team um, anymore. But he, for a while, you know, when when they did uh, buy him from you, he 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 was in some pretty sensational form at Villa. Well, I mean, he he played extremely well for us. Um, I mean, Martin O'Neill said he was like Messi. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can read into that what you like. I I don't think anyone agreed with him there, but uh, he was quite hyperbolic, wasn't he? So, yeah, Young played really well. Left or right, great behind the striker under Julio, great, but. He was always a big fish in a small pond. And uh, I think he's been found out a little bit with the increased expectation at, at Man United. That, And of course, he's got that diving tag as well, which really just it, it clearly weighs on his mind because there were suggestions that he dived at Villa, but because he was at Villa, no one really cared too much. Mm. Now he's at United, it's in the spotlight. I think it plays on his mind. He's not, he's not the same player for me. Well, fair enough. And it's, you know, it's, you got good money for him. And say, Levy, um, I mean... How many of your in in your current team? Because you won the you won the next gen last last season. Um, 
And uh, that, that's, you know, your your youth team at the moment has been much lauded. Um, I mean, you know, I, I know we were very much in the running for the next gen as well. And it, it would have been great to see us win because I know we've got pretty decent youth set up at the moment. But uh, have any of those lads started to see their way into the first team at the moment? Not as yet. Uh, that's a, they were all extremely young. Villa have always taken the... But I've always taken those competitions quite seriously in terms of the age limits. And we used to play our under 18s in the reserves uh, to make sure that they were getting the proper the proper experience in matches they they needed to, to move into the pros. So they're all a bit young at the moment. They're max 18. Um, we weren't in a position last year to blood the youngsters like that, you know, scraping clear of relegation with uh, two games to go. It wasn't really the. It wasn't really the time to try any of those. And this season, we're just focused on getting a good start and just not worrying about relegation. And again, it's not the right time to start blooding those youngsters. I wish that we were assured of a, a top six spot and we could see the likes of Jack Grealish, who, uh, who's on loan at Notts County. And by the, the fans' accounts, he's absolutely amazing. Villa fans are really, really looking forward to seeing Grealish, who will play as a number 10, sort of off the wing. He kind of plays across the front three, really. I think he'd be better in the number 10 role. Uh, and he's he's fantastic with the ball at his feet, and we're really looking forward to seeing him a bit more. But it, it remains the case with all of the players; it's just not the time. We're not stable enough right now to start doing those things. You still need your your new Lee Hendry, don't you? Yeah, That's we're a... looking we're we're looking for that. Yeah, we're still looking for the new Lee Hendry. Um, I, he he, he seemed to be at Villa forever. Well, he he was. Yeah, he was actually. It just seemed to be stuck in Birmingham and and it, 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 he used to live on my nan's road, and he used to drive down the road in his in his escort soft top um, <laughs> just up and down the road in a convertible with no one in it. I didn't, I, that guy is, is, is odd. I'm sorry. but <laughs> <laughs> With his big nineties curtains. And then he got bankrupt. <laughs> it's, it's, tr- it's very difficult to keep track of the Lee Hendry stories because he seems to have played football in about six different obscure countries, been bankrupt three times. It's that I've actually turned off to it to be honest with you. <laughs> Well, there you go, Lee Hendry, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I mean, what what are your hopes for the season at, at the moment? Well, we, as I said earlier, we we started this. Uh, so we ended last season extremely strongly. We won we won uh, probably five or six games against people around us, and that helped us climb clear. And I think if you take the 2013 table, just of the second half of the season, we were in the top half. So after a good summer where we kept Benteke. We signed six or seven players to new deals, which included Clark, Baker, Guzan, Westwood, Lowton, all the key players. They all stayed. Uh, and we signed Depth and we signed Luna to reinforce left back and a core aid. Villa fans, are, they kind of get a bit carried away and I'm no different. And we were thinking, right, ninth or eighth. <laughs> and we were, and a lot of people were going, you're, you're ridiculous, which is, you know, fair enough. It's It's ambitious, but... That's what we are as fans. We are ambitious. You know, the history uh, demands that we we look forward and we demand the best. I thought 10th at the start of the season, uh, if we could get off to a decent start because we had a horrific schedule and we have got off to a good start and we have got a good team. Whether it materialises in 10th, because looking at the league now and looking at the teams, that it's got really competitive. Norwich's great business in the summer is, you know, that's one example of probably five teams that, we would have expected early in the summer to finish above next season, but now it looks much much closer. So we we want we want top we want top half for sure. But whether or not it happens, whether we're just shy, that might be the case. We're definitely not expecting a relegation battle again. That's for sure. No, I mean I've I've always had an affinity for Villa actually, to be honest, because I think we're 
sort of two clubs of a similar size history. Well, I'd say we're two clubs of a very similar standing, really. Um, and uh, you know, it, it was always it was it was a really interesting time when we were kind of so close together. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts about how you know, maybe the way Spurs did things and how it differed to Villa? Um, I know you mentioned Milner earlier, but I don't know if you've got any anything else in particular that you thought that maybe sort of separated the two as we both kind of chased for those for that fourth spot. Well, it's really as an Aston Villa fan, it is tough to look at Spurs right now. Um, and, and, and look at what they're doing. It's fantastic for you guys and exciting to watch. But we were there four years ago and we were spending, we spent 50 million that summer and we picked up decent players. We had, we had Milner. We had- imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Young, we had Barry. Bonner Hall was in form. We had Martin Lawson. What a player he was. And picked up sort of Carlos Cuella. And, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough looking back on those times because a succession of quite bad appointments managerially has, has, has really set us back. And apart from losing the key players, I think I think the managerial gaffes are the, are the reason that we are so far behind you guys now. I mean, Julier was never going to be a long-term thing. I never got that. Obviously, the guy was actually was actually putting together something pretty decent towards the end, but with the health concerns and the age, it was never going to be a project that you can latch onto for five years. You know, managers talk about five-year plans. It just didn't feel like that. He lasted less than a year. Alex McLeish. The fan base was ridiculed for protesting, but I think everybody can see everybody can see why we were so averse to the idea of having him there. It wasn't just down to the loyalties; it was it was that he plays horrific football, and we weren't happy with it. And that he's, when you sign players the week, you have a hole to cl- <laughs> you have a hole to climb out of financially. Alan Hutton's infamous at Tottenham as well because he came from us, didn't he? There's a spate of us giving you our. our fairly terrible players on loan. You had yeah. Jenis, uh, Robbie Keane as well for a little while. Did you get Robbie Keane from LA Galaxy? We got him from the States, yeah, but yes, yeah. same principle, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, I, we could almost call this the Alan Hutton derby if we wanted to. Yeah, I mean, it, what, Alan Hutton, you know, Lambert, first time Lambert got in to the, to the squad, he exiled Lambert to the, to, the, to the youth squad and said, you're not playing for me, and he hasn't played, he hasn't played. Um, and we can't find him a buyer because who would buy him? So 
we're stuck with his 40 grand or whatever it is. We're stuck with Shay, Shay Given at 37 was awarded <laughs> five, a five-year deal on just, I think, oh, I think it's 55 grand a week. He's now two and a half years into that deal. No one will take him on loan. No one will take, and it's these things that are the problem. I think from my own calculations and from what I've kind of got from some guys down at the Birmingham Mail as well, I think we, Lambert came in and saw we were about 100 grand a week over the over the budget, so to speak, with Heskey on 60 grand a week as well, don't forget. So it's, Jesus. We are making excellent progress under Lambert. Don't, don't, don't fool yourselves. It's, it's, it's fast. It's faster than what I expected. But the limitations that we've been put under by several poor decisions from several, several poor managers uh, post O'Neill has really set us back. And that, that's, the main, that's the main factor for me as to why there's such a chasm between the two clubs. Do you think that Tottenham spent their money more wisely then? Um in terms of going forward? Because obviously we're two financially conscious clubs. Randy Lerner's not a, a bad owner. He's um, with his other sports teams and everything. He obviously knows how to, to run a football club, especially with you highlighting the amount of amount of times he's sold players on for, for more money than they're worth. It's almost Daniel Levy-esque, who's, who's infamous in his own right. So do you think that that, that financial mismanagement has played into the fact that the, the two clubs have gone in different ways in the league? Well, I think Spurs always bought players. I mean, you went on that spree, didn't you, under Juan Ramos, uh, whereby you started very poorly and Redknapp kind of saved you. But, you know, you bought good players. It was just somebody yeah. who wasn't able to to bring them into a into a system that could work. For us, I think it's that we bought bad players. I think you guys bought good players. It's just you needed someone to unlock them. That's mm. the difference. That's the difference for me. There's also something like, you know, we're, we're buying Hutton, who is either at the peak of his career, if you can call it that, or past it, and you know, <laughs> given is 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 past the peak of his career. They don't have any sell-on value, whereas you guys, I can't say for certain because I haven't I haven't studied your transfer outgoings, but I'm pretty sure that most of the guys that you want to get rid of, you've been able to get rid of somehow. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, we, we, well, we had players like Jermaine Jennings who just did hang around for two or three seasons too long, like a bad smell. Who eventually we've managed to get rid of to to QPR. That was a that was a hassle getting rid of someone like that. We we still got, um, we still had players like uh, who's just a strange South African purchase who just seems to to permanently be on loan elsewhere. Shirt sales, shirt sales. You know, I know, <laughs> I know, Kamala. I thought he was quite good at the World Cup in 2010. I have, you know, but and, uh, yeah, perhaps not he's, at club he's level. Not come anywhere. He's not even sniffed at our first team since he's been at the club. So it's it's strange. I mean. I, I mean, from what you've brought up in terms of us buying better players, it seems like we've almost trekked them better as well when we bought them. I mean, Emil Heskey for 60 grand a week. We, I don't think at any stage in his Tottenham career we paid Luka Modric that much. It, when we first signed him, he was on 16 grand a week and he was our record signing. So, <laughs> I mean, there's championship players that get paid more than that. So it's, it seems a bit odd that... I think it's probably just Martin O'Neill... Spending too much money because he's, he's got a history of that, especially at Sunderland as well. He, he did similar a lot of buying of players who perhaps on on contracts that are too large for for what they're actually worth. Well, I mean the thing with O'Neill, right, with Villa, very quickly is he was fantastic for us and we we adored him. And he's a brilliant motivator and is a bit basic tactically, but he he gets the job done on the pitch and he was very good for us. The problem is that he uses the same eleven every week, or that's what he did at Villa. You could guess the team lineup. You could, I could put a hundred grand if I had it 
on the on the eleven for Saturday afternoon at three PM every week and I would get it right because that is how obvious his lineup is in the same formation. When he asked for more players, he would moan about more players. So he asked for more players. He asked to oh, I need some money for some more players. I need to rotate my team. That's why we didn't get in the top four. Lerner says, okay, so we buy Habib Bay, great. Steve Sidwell, great. Emil Heskey, great. And they sit on the bench and they do nothing absolutely nothing on a fat wage and when he goes to Randy Lerner and says I need new, I need some more players he goes I'm paying these guys to do nothing I'm not giving you any more money until you start selling these guys or playing them so O'Neill resigned five days before the season I mean That's, that was his response in terms of Randy Lerner how how is he you know kind of regarded by the fans at the moment because I know at first yeah a lot of people really really kind of lauded the fact that he was a uh, he was a you know a, a foreign owner that seemed to have a real conscience that seemed to really want to get into the spirit of the club that you know gave the manager full control. Um, but it seems that you know increasingly that you hear a bit more negative kind of press surrounding him. Uh, I think the fan base is, is quite divided on Lerner. I couldn't give you a definitive suggestion on how they're feeling. It's each, it seems to be each their own on that issue. I personally have never seen anything wrong with Lerner's work. I think he funded us extremely well when he when he felt like we had a chance to get into the top four and we were pretty close. And he put all the money in that he could, 50 million in the summer. Not a, Still not a lot of clubs spend that. Southampton probably haven't even spent that this summer. And people are talking about them spending big. So... Nothing wrong with the investment side of it. And I think when he's had to clamp down financially, he's been aware of that and he's done that. That's what he did under McLeish and that's what he did under Lambert last year, which is why we signed so many lower league or young players. And under Lerner, maybe we'll never quite get to the heights, but I'm absolutely certain that we will never go bankrupt, touch wood, or be in any kind of financial disdain, which we've seen far too often. And at the moment, I'm actually okay with that as we we rebuild. Here's an interesting one for... For a Villa fan, actually, because um, it's something that we often talk about amongst ourselves. Now, given that you're you're a club that's very much kind of on the on the edge of you know pushing top four, you've got a decent bit of history, um, so on, so forth behind you. How would you react to a Man City PSG style takeover? Now, would you feel like you cheated if, say, you know? Give it five years' time, you've invested five hundred million pounds into the squad and you win the league. Well, I can I can tell you that I would not sit there on Twitter and moan about it. However, I'm not I'm not a fan of those and given the choice between uh guaranteed financial solidarity for the next for my, for my entire lifetime of supporting Aston Villa, so I have a club that is close to my heart to support, or blitz it with 500 million and win the league, I would choose the former. I would much prefer financial solidarity uh, ahead of some unbelievable oil-rich investment because I don't like it. I've got, that's just my personal opinion, but I, that, I, don't, like, I don't like that method, to be honest. No, me neither. It's, it's, you know, myself and Roger discussed this um, with, the, with Joe, who was a Chelsea fan. Um, yeah. Who came on and you know his mindset was very much you know you you could tell from his voice that he knew it was wrong, but at the same time he kind of played it off in the respect of like well you know on the day I went out I had some beers with my mates 
we went and saw Chelsea win the you know the Champions League final, and in that moment we were all delighted, and I defy anyone to say otherwise. Um, and we gave him that. We said, you know, of course, if this Spurs in this position, you know, genuinely the money, the politics, it probably would go out the window for that moment. You'd see whoever lift the trophy, and we'd be very happy. But as Raj said at the time, you'd go home and you'd look at the old pictures of the teams gone by, of the, you know, of the Blanche flowers lifting the double, so on and so forth, and you'd think, it's not the same. We haven't done it the right way, and, you know, you, you can't get us fully behind that, regardless of the landscape, regardless of, you know, how the industry's changed as people like to try and dress, you know, pass it off as. Your own club, you're still responsible for your own actions. Um and you can still, as much as people can, you know, kind of say what they, you know, say what they want about us being rivals. One thing I always have to give Arsenal is that they've they've done it the right way. Um, United again, another team that have done it the right way, um, and it's it's got to be the preferred method. I'm I'm you know, speaking myself but it sounds like you're not far off with the same opinion there Sam anyway um, yeah it's completely personal it's completely divisive uh, I think depending on your experience so far and um, for me Aston Villa uh, a great history and tradition and also critically for us an academy that has proven to be able to, to, to bring through genuine stars and we would like to see that continue that's 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 one of the things that all Villa fans want they want players from the youth academy to come through and, and enter the first team well, there's the dream for, for everyone, really, isn't it? The local lad um, coming and becoming the hero. Roy of the Rovers and all that. Um, but uh, we'll move forwards now, anyway. Um, get to get to our game. Um, now, I know that you, alongside Raj as well, you're both, you're both into your tactics. So I'll probably uh, disappear for a bit here um, as we talk about the game. I mean... <laughs> uh, how, how just to just to enlighten us? How is it that you uh, you guys have been lining out this year? What kind of you know tactics are you employing? Um, I mean, because you've 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 taken a couple of big scalps. You have got City and you have got Arsenal um, this year, but at the same time, you seem to have slipped up against you know smaller opposition as well. What, what would you say that's down to? It's it's a weird one with Villa. I mean, yeah, I do a lot of tactical analysis as, as a, for Bleach Report as a job and. I, it's easier to analyse almost every other manager than Paul Lambert because for me, he is he is the most tactically reactive manager in the Premier League. And he does things sometimes on purpose, systematically, and sometimes just to screw with the opposition. And maybe not, not for the act for that day itself, but he, I think he prides himself on keeping his team hard to guess. And that's really important in the modern game with lots of the, all the analytics that come through and people that sit there and blog about the tactics and things like that, you have to be able to make sure that your opposition can't sit there and go, right, Villa are going to do this, so let's do this. And that, that's what he does. We started this season in a 4-3-3. That's how we ended last season. Uh, that is largely down to the fact that we do not have a number 10 that can play football, unfortunately. Uh, but we, we played a 4-3-3, so a holding midfielder and two centre mids, two wide forwards and a striker. Uh I think we switched to a 4-2-3-1 once this season and we've played a 3-5-2 against Man City. Uh, that was three centre-backs and two wing-backs. And that was a bit lucky, that win. That wasn't anything to do with the tactics, I'm afraid. That was because football is quite evil sometimes. That's nothing more. Uh, we kind of got battered there. 
and I don't know how we I don't know how we won, but we don't really care. Okay, exactly. Um, no one's really going to feel sorry for Man City, so don't worry about <laughs> no, not in this room. So yeah, it's I think we're going to see. Uh, I think we're going to go back to the four because against Harlot it was a four three three, and it's a counter attacking formation for sure. We struggle at home. That's it's not really too much of a secret. Without that number ten that I referred to, we really struggle to break down defences that sort of not part of the bus but but you know under pressure we had Liverpool under pressure we had Chelsea under pressure in the first uh, the second and third game of this season and we just couldn't find a way through it just wasn't happening and we just don't have that player that can unlock the door we don't have the Christian Eriksen to be honest on the final day of the transfer window I was screaming for us to sign Sigurdsson on loan because that would have just been the perfect signing for us and Probably, you know, it might have gone through. I know he's playing at the moment, but I just wonder if Chadley might take his place soon. But without that player, we are, we are forced into a 4-3-3. And the home form is a real issue. We can't break teams down. City won, we, we counter-attacked because we're weaker than them. And it, it's kind of like a false dawn because it, everyone said, oh, Villa's home form's picked up. It hasn't. We played exactly like an away side. And I think we're going to do that again against Tottenham. And if we do somehow get a result, and trust me, we're not, as a fan base, we're not very confident for Sunday. Uh, I think if we do get a result, it still won't tell us anything about our home form because, again, we'll be under the cosh and we'll be hitting you on the counter-attack and we'll be playing quick breaks. Simple as that. I mean, does it does it concern you um, as opposed to <laughs> actually, you know, delight you that we got our pants pulled down by West Ham? Because, I don't know, to me, as a Spurs fan, I, I've never really seen us as a sort of team that comes back from a result like that, all guns blazing, we're going to prove everyone wrong. It, it it generally seems the case that we come out of a bit of a whimper, a bit of a, uh, well, we got that 1-1 draw away to Villa. I suppose that's better than losing 3-0 at home. Um, I mean, wh- wh- how can you see us approaching the game, Raj? Um, I disagree under the new... Under Villas Boas, I can I can see us reacting much better. I think um, last season when we got beaten by Arsenal away, um, we went on a on our longest unbeaten run of the, the season, perhaps of a of a Christmas, and we that's what really propelled us up the league. That form form in winter, um, because obviously we started the season a bit more slowly, and we'd um, and we finished the season slowly again. We dropped off there due to to injuries and the fact that Gareth Bale was the only one that could score a goal for us. But um, I think this season's a bit more interesting with Villa, um, especially with the fact that we've just played them very recently in the in the cup. Um, although I don't think that's not going to have much of a of a bearing tactically because I don't think we're going to play play anything like the the side that we played there. There's there's no chance that Defoe will be starting up front or, or Lewis Holtby will be playing, and I'm fairly sure both managers um, rotated fairly heavily for that. But um, with with Lambert. Completely right in saying that he's a cultured manager. Tactically, he's, he's a Champions League winner. There's not there's there's not much more you can do in the club game than that. So he, he knows what he's doing. He's played in in different leagues. Um, even in Scotland, Scotland has a, a strange way of of producing managers. And all the way back from the inception of tactics, Scotland's been at the the forefront of that with, with clubs like Queens Park in the past. So it seems to be a strange tradition in Scotland of, of getting the best out of players in different systems. Um, I think last season we went there 
just as Villa were in their very worst form when they were they getting spanked by five and six every week. And I think we, we put four past them. Um, I think that was just after Chelsea had scored about seven or eight, or and then Wigan had scored four. I think so. It was think... Wigan, Wigan three nil, Chelsea eight, Spurs four. It was awesome. I watched all three. It was brilliant, lovely. Yeah, that that seems like a, a fun point. That's that. I think that's when everyone rushed to the bookies to put Villa going down on before they turned it around. Um, but I think this season it's going to be much tighter just as every single one of our other games have been. It's not going to be a, a high-scoring affair, hopefully. I think defensively we're going to be more on edge and more alert than anything else because having come back from that 3-0 to, to West Ham, I think the, the goals in that one as we went through were, were freaks, each and every one of them. Uh, the last one, Rival Morrison, we shouldn't have been letting him run the way he did um, and Villa have scored goals like that this season where they've let someone run I mean a player like Andres Wyman will will test the pace of Dawson uh, which does slightly worry me but hopefully Vertonghen will be able to, to make up for that um, but it'll be I think it'll be close um, I'd, I'd probably go for us to draw just on the fact that we'll be be more tentative than we have in other games Um and I don't think we'll we'll want to be as a, as expansive just as a natural reaction. Um, but I can see it being very very close. Um, I'm not entirely sure it's going to be anything pretty or anything to write home about either. So um, yeah, the middle of the park is going to be where we'll either win or lose it. Um, Dembele and Paulinho are going to be very important in terms of ball retention and, and keeping it away from Villa. And making sure that we don't we don't get broken against easily, and I, I hope that uh, Sandro gets to play because I think it's a game where we do need a, a natural defensive midfielder to, to go around and snap at heels and, and break up their play. Who who would you say, Sam, if you if you had to name one player, should be the 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 man that we look out for? That's maybe not the obvious choice, you know, not your Benteke's or something like that. Someone who, on his day, could really really punish us. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, if Benteke is fit and back, and I think he will be, um, I think obviously you obviously know that he's he's the one to watch, and he's going to get double double attention from the centre backs. Our best player of the season so far, um, which for me is a really easy pick, and I know that a lot of it are fans agree. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I don't know how much attention you pay. Fabian, Fabian Delph. Fabian Delph is, is 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 the best player we've had this season by by a long way. It was Loton last season for me, but he's he's lost his place to Pakuna. Delph is brilliant. Um, he's a bit, he's a little bit small and skinny, and he's been held up by injuries for the last two years. Everybody's forgotten about him because we signed him for a lot of money. He was a big prospect, and everyone said, you know, where's Delph gone? And he did, I think he did his ACL and and, and something else in his knees. He's he's started to put together a string of games, and he is he should be in the England team right now over Tom Cleverley. He's playing brilliantly. He's got that. He's got that ability to break forward. He's got a defensive now. He's a bit heavy on the yellow cards. We have a sweepstake on Twitter about the yellow cards, but his he can break forward. He can break tackles. He can he can take players on and he can play cutting passes. That's really useful. Just be able to break that first challenge. So if Dembele's flying in, because you guys are quite physical in the middle, if Delph can evade that first challenge and set Gabby or Vyman off down the channel, that's how we're going to win the game. It's through Delph and then through the wingers on. On the on the pacey counter attacks, I think he's key, and I think I think he might bring in Yakuba Silla as well because he's quite beefy, and uh, that might help against someone like Paulinho and Dembele as well. We're at risk of actually being physically overrun by you guys if we don't bring him in. Okay, so if you, if you had to call it, 
Where, where would you go, Sam, and what would you say the result's going to be? Um, I think it's going to be 2-1 to Spurs. I don't have us winning. Uh, I'm not being I'm not being ridiculously cynical. I just know that you you got uh, Spurs are a, a much better team. Uh, there's there's no uh, there's no two ways about that. We got very lucky against Manchester City. I think Pellegrini did everything right tactically, and they could have beaten us five nil. But you know, football, as I said, can be can be football at the end of the day. I don't think that luck will strike twice. Benteke could come back, but he's got to be limited in some way. Uh, I think we'll score a goal. I just can't see us keeping you out, unfortunately. So, two on Spurs. That's that's controversial. The, I believe you're the, you're the first opposition fan that's come on and actually predicted us to win. So oh, there you go. That's a that's a that's a proper football writer for you there. Anyone? Well, listening? last se- last season we did the Bleach Report predictions, the official predictions, and I predicted an Aston Villa win for the first 18 games in a row. <laughs> I finished. I finished. <laughs> I finished bottom of the predictions league, and I've declined to enter again this year out of shame. So. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. And you you called it one all, didn't you, Raj? Did you say? Yeah, uh, yeah it'll be score drawn nil nil for me. I think Villa will be very defensive. They'll pack midfield, and um, I think um, we'll we'll do the same. Um, so I, I'd go for a draw just because I've I've predicted us to win every game this season, and after the West Ham game, I'm and. Predicting that we'd be expansive and win two or three nils ourselves, um, I'm going to be uh, a little more um, conserved this time in matter prediction. Um, you're, you're as hesitant as your defence is going to be, then, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Um, just because, yeah, you never know with us this season because we are so so tight, and there's 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 that one little ingredient missing where you want that final partnership between Soldado and and Ericsson to, to to finally click, and then the wingers to to know their positions, and players like Lamella and Chadley to finally hit their stride, and then we'll then I think we'll be cooking on gas. But until until that occurs, um, I do think we'll be we'll be bumbling our way through performances and games until until we actually finally hit a stride. Just quickly, Roger, I mean, can you say if if Villa are packing the middle um, as we saw with West Ham? Yeah. Last week, can you can you see AVB switching up and not going for the inverted, the inverted wingers and just sticking it to orthodox run to the byline, whipping across for Soldado? Because Soldado is going to lap up chances like that, surely. Well, the thing with the inverted wingers is, I don't think it's the manager's problem that they kept on coming inside against West Ham. I think AVB himself has this belief about players as well that he wants them to be able to express themselves on the field. Um, where he differs from someone like Mourinho who he's often to compare to is he's less controlling over what they do on the pitch so he's very happy to to promote expression which falls hand in hand with the fact that Gareth Bale became so much better underneath him Um, what the players need to do on the wings is they need to recognise if if a team have got that many players in the centre of the park and they're, they're blocking off and cutting inside run outside and take on your fullback. Uh, when Sigurdsson and Townsend did that last time, they got so much more joy than they did coming inside. Um, I think the fact that Chadley and Lennon were both uh, injured or Chadley was only just coming back from injury and Lennon is, is only just back in full training now will help us a lot because that gives us a much more natural route wider. I think Aaron Lennon, if if, if it does become bogged down, is 
the type of player who who makes a difference in the Premier League in these type of games. He's he's got the pace to take on a full back and and to get in behind. And and like I said last week, when when we've had situations in the past where his position in the first team has come under threat, he's then raised his game and he, he's become better and he's, he's put together a string of performances. And I'm really hoping he can do that again because. Um, for me, as I've said in the past, he's, he's still a better better option than Townsend for us. Well, whatever way it goes, it's, I think it's going to be a it's going to be a decent game. I'm glad to have football back again, even though it's actually on at the moment. International football that is, but it doesn't count. Um, but well, yeah, I, I'm going to say one all Spurs, um, one all Spurs. That that's like that old nil nil to to the United States, isn't it? Yeah, this article. But um, <clears throat> yeah, one one, I think, and. Uh, just want to say thanks once again for joining us tonight, Sam. Um, just giving us your time. Um, and you can, of course, read any of Sam's Sam's work on the Bleacher Report. I'm sure you all know it very well. Very famous website. Um, and you can also listen to old episodes of Rule the Roost, not only on iTunes, but also on SpursStatman.com, um, where there's a host of other interesting Spurs-themed material um, for your reading pleasure as well. Um or edited by our uh, my co-host Raj, so uh, it, it's only going to be the best. Um, he doesn't let me write for it anymore either, so that gives you some indication as to <laughs> as to the caliber. Um, I just had a, a really good article on the uh, Tottenham youth system go up tonight, so that's worth checking out. Uh, a full update on the on the under 18s and under 21s progression over September. So um, that's that's worth your time. And what, who's the who's the author of that one? Uh, Ray, who goes to all the games. I think we're actually playing in a, a tournament in Florida that Ray is actually going and going to to cover himself. He, he seems to cover as many um, youth games as he does as he does our first team games, which is really dedicated of him. Well, nicely done, Ray. And uh, yeah, that's it. Go and read Ray's article on SpursStatman.com. But uh, all that remains to say is thanks once again for listening and uh, come on, you Spurs. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.